Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here, and today we have the outstanding privilege of hosting Dr. Vasiliu Feltis. Ingrid. She's a healthcare futurist who has an extensive experience in the healthcare industry as a founder, executive, consultant, and speaker. She currently is the Chief Quality and Innovation Officer at Mednax Healthcare Solutions. In this capacity, she provides oversight for all quality and innovation initiatives across the enterprise, such as blockchain, AI, genomics, precision medicine, population health, and so on, all the things that we're so concerned about, value-based care. Additionally, she provides leadership to the Mednax Center for Research, Education, Quality, and Safety. Prior to her current role, she held several leadership positions within the academic, corporate, and nonprofit healthcare arena, most notably serving as VP of Education, Quality, and Safety, Medical Director of Clinical research trials, and medical director of managed care. Her experience in this uh, area is fascinating, and uh, the results that she's produced through her career are very impressive, and I'm excited to showcase many of the things that she's up to at Mednax and beyond. So true privilege to have you on the podcast, Ingrid. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure to share some of my thoughts with the audience. Absolutely. So what inspires your work in healthcare, Ingrid? For me, it's been the same uh, inspiration since I decided to go to medical school. I want to contribute to patient safety. That has always been the driver for me personally. And then as I've advanced through my career, I, I believe in global population health. That's something from a mission perspective that has always uh, been a driver for me. I love it. Very clear purpose. Uh, your North Star is very clear. How are you and, and Mednax at this point adding value to the healthcare ecosystem? Well, like you already were so kind and generous to share in the introduction, I've, I've done a lot of things in healthcare. You can say that probably I've been doing a 360 in the healthcare ecosystem. I've worked on the payer side. I've worked in an academic healthcare uh, system. I've worked in a non-academic healthcare environment. I've also been the president of a not-for-profit for children. So I've tried everything. And my summary is that where I am now offers the following business value add. At Mednex, we have the opportunity to truly improve global population health for women, children, and other adults. As you know, we are in the pediatric as well as women's services lines, as well as anesthesia and radiology. So from a mission perspective, to me, I believe strongly that we're adding value to the whole healthcare ecosystem, not only from the types of service lines we offer, but also the quality of the work we do. And I also feel that from a business perspective, we, we have the opportunity due to our multiple business relationships with payers, hospital partners, provider groups, and other not-for-profit agencies we, we work together with to impact population health at a broad scale. There are not many uh, organizations that have a presence in 50 states and serve such a wide range of populations and have the opportunity to also drive care through all our relationships in, in all these service lines. And I think they're closely related, right? When you think about women's and children's, it's a beautiful synergy that you can really impact the whole continuum of 
uh, mother and, and infant care. And then, of course, anesthesiology, that doesn't require explanation. And through our teleradiology component, same thing. We're in 50 states. We're one of the largest radiology groups in the country. And I do believe that through some of the excellent work our radiology teams are doing, we, we also contribute broadly, not only to the business, but also to the quality of care in radiology. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? I mean, you guys have decided to focus on these, on these key areas. And I'm wondering what you believe makes Mednax different and better than what's available today. Yeah, well, I do believe that types of services we provide stand out and also our relationships that I described. It's very rare that you have a provider group like us that also has a very strong payer contracting component and also very large scale relationships with multiple types of hospital partners in 50 states. So I like to usually say that the type of innovation, the type of population health, the type of initiatives we can bring forth and contribute to the global health and scientific community are invaluable. We usually, even from a data perspective, everybody talks about data these days, <laughs> we have larger data sets than most other companies can ever dream of in terms of, of size. We've been in business for 40 years and imagine in so many states, if you start to multiply the types of data sets, we come close to some of the largest IT companies in the world. So I think that brings unique value in terms of our insights, our research capabilities, our analytics capabilities, and of course, more importantly than ever, the impact that we can have on driving clinical care and evidence-based practice. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, right? And that, that piece of data ownership and the quantity of it to make a difference. What's your perspective on, on how the company is utilizing that? I feel like a lot of, a lot of companies and especially providers don't really know where to start. It's a struggle on, on how to use this data to, for the greater good, right? You talk about global population health. Many providers are, are focused on population health, right, of, of their care areas. I'd like to hear from you some insights on, on how people can use their data. Sure. Well, I think I always uh, like to make a distinction that, that it's really important to focus on high quality data. You never want to analyze mm -hmm. anything if you're not spending a lot of time effort and brain power to, to ensure that the quality of your data set is as accurate as possible. I call it data hygiene, and it really is, is yeah. crucial. After you ensure that, I think organizations that have large data sets like we do, as you know, currently everybody's focused on AI, but I always say, even if you start to do any type of AI project, you always want to make sure you have a very clear understanding of what you're aiming to accomplish. And I, I've been speaking at a lot of conferences, and I always say the same thing. After data hygiene, the second most important element of our success when you look at data and want to use data is to be super accurate, super clear on your technical specifications and what your ultimate goal is. If you don't do that, you'll just analyze for the sake of analysis, and you'll never achieve the ultimate goal, which is to help patients and, like we just said, global population health. And when I say global population health, I try to emphasize that you need to always take the full 360 into perspective. Yes, you want to look at focused data elements and have high rigorous criteria, but then you ultimately want to know what are we trying to impact short and long term in this population, right? Because you don't want to just have a nice analytics project. You want to impact care if possible today, right? All of us have uh, families, friends that are patients today. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that always has to be the very clear goal, not only to contribute to the scientific society and community long term, 
from a research perspective, precision medicine perspective, and global population health, but also help our patients now, today. So that's how I always define what do we want to do with data. And I think for providers individually, which is not our case, we have large sets, but for providers individually, I always would say the same thing. Try to to look at your data sets and how you can help each patient through the lens of all your experience with all other patients, because that's how your data becomes more valuable. If you just always look at it too narrowly, you're not going to have the highest possible optimal value. Yeah, I think it's a it's it's some great great insights there, Ingrid. And so Mednax is is got a unique position, right? You guys are are a provider, but you're also a, a firm that that provides consulting and and products. It's a pretty unique place to be. Oftentimes, you're either one or the other. What insights can you offer to the listeners uh, from having one foot in each of those worlds? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we do have, like we said, a lot of uh, relationships with payers because we we do have our uh, payer contracting division that's highly active and that requires unique skills, unique perspectives, and a thorough understanding how everything that happens in the healthcare ecosystem impacts right that relationship. And then we also have, of course, very close relationships with our hospital partners and then with our providers, right? We have 6,000 clinicians that work for us in various subspecialties. So being able to balance the unique needs and viewpoints of all the stakeholders in the ecosystem is what we are faced with. And I think it's an art, honestly. It's similar to what the whole healthcare system in the country is facing, right? One decision will impact everybody else in that ecosystem, like a domino, right? So for us as a company, it's the same concept. We need to make sure that whatever we do on the payer side is having appropriate implications that we desire and that we think through all of them, of course, on the hospital partner side and on our clinician side, while always maintaining excellent quality and safe care. So trying to balance all those elements, I think, yes, makes us unique. And sometimes people don't always understand the the complexity of trying to make decisions that help patients, help providers, help hospitals and payers alike. Yeah. And it's fascinating because one of the struggles in healthcare is is communicating across the silos. And you guys are, by the nature of your company, you have to. Yes, you're forced. There's no other way to do it. <laughs> now, that no doesn't other. always make it easy, but yes, I think it, that's why I called it an art. So you need science yeah. and art to make it work. Fascinating. So Ingrid, tell me a little bit more about what you believe, maybe how you guys have improved outcomes or made business better in the healthcare field. Well, I can definitely talk about outcomes. So um, for most people that might be familiar with Bednex or for those that just are learning today about it, uh, we have one of the largest neonatology databases in the world. And we also have one of the largest data warehouse data sets, what we call clinical outcomes data and clinical process data sets Mm -hmm. in the world. And that has helped not only drive our clinical quality improvement initiatives, our safety initiatives, and has also uh, helped us work with other organizations such as academic centers or any other not-for-profit institutions that are focused on improving patient care to drive best practices to produce state-of-the-art clinical research and very uh, established journals. And our teams have uh, launched several initiatives over the last few years. I'm going to only mention one. Uh, It's called the 100,000 Babies Campaign. It was uh, publicized widely several years ago 
where we try to emphasize certain clinical quality improvement elements that we believed were key drivers for improving outcomes. And we had several hundred neonatal ICUs in the country participate. So it was an unprecedented, cohesive effort to do that, yes. And the outcomes and the results way exceeded what we were hoping. Not only did we improve certain very specific elements of care, but also recently we were able to do an analysis to see if all those outcomes that we achieved short-term were able to be sustained long-term. And they did. It continued to improve. After several years, we continued to see exponential improvement in all those metrics that we, at that time, decided to look at. So that was reassuring to know that all the efforts are worth it, that our clinicians do every single day at the bedside for our patients, and that our teams on, on the research side and clinical quality improvement side are continuing to do. So therefore, we're excited to say that in the first quarter of 2020, we're launching our Baby Steps campaign 2.0. That's how we're calling it. So the 2.0 version will continue all the beautiful gains we've had from before and will focus on the same type of important clinical outcomes that we selected then. And they will have two other components that are very relevant to the current healthcare environment. They will have a value-based component, obviously. Mm. (laughs) Another one that's uh, unique to our service uh, line in neonatology, it's called an Uber Preemie Collaborative because the environment has changed a lot and a lot of babies that before uh, didn't have the opportunity to get treated because of the advancements in technology and clinical expertise for our, in our hospitals that we work with, we now have the opportunity to, to see more babies that, that can make it out of the NICU at very early stages of prematurity. So I know this is very technical, but to a lot of parents in the world, it matters a lot, right? When your it baby does. can get saved and when, when the teams have an, an option at least to offer uh, the parents. So one of the new elements of the 100,000 Babies campaign is to have dedicated teams focusing only on the care for these super premature babies. So that has been... Uh, very much welcome not only by our clinicians who uh, wanted this and are contributing to it, but also by our hospital partners and, and payers alike. They appreciate that we put the effort to develop clinical quality improvements and safety programs designed only for this very special population. Well, I think it's wonderful. And so I was curious, Ingrid, on the 100,000 Babies campaign, what's one of the key metrics that I guess the most impactful metric that you found improved? It's hard to pick one because we we picked several, but I might uh-huh. pick one that's more relevant to the general audience that yes. everybody might be able to relate to. So sepsis, so infections, yeah. that's the technical term for infections. We believe that that's a main driver, of course. And as you know, all major institutions in healthcare like IHI and National Patient Safety Foundation and Joint Commission are always emphasizing that. So the same way for neonatology, one that, that everybody can relate to was sepsis and we all focused on. No one ever, no partner, no physician, no nurse in any setting will ever disagree that it's important to control infections, right? And to appropriately diagnose them, appropriately treat them or prevent them, of course. So that I would say was one that you could not have more support from all the stakeholders ever. Absolutely. Great example. And uh Appreciate you adding some granularity to it. The work is incredible. 100,000 babies campaign, hundreds of of NICUs participating, and now on to the second phase. Definitely exciting. What are you most 
proud of and the work that you've accomplished, whether it be in your career or, or the time that you've spent at Mednext? Well, first, I would say I'm proud of our teams. Wherever I've worked with, I was very, very lucky that I always had excellent teams that worked very hard. And not only were they professionally, from a professional expertise, great teams, but I was very, very lucky that most of the teams I always worked with also had their heart in the right place, so to speak. So we were always super aligned in our mission and vision. And I think that's the part for me at Mednex. I always emphasize that I strongly believe in our mission. And that's the one thing, although it's tough to work in healthcare, I don't think you're going to ever hear anybody that says that healthcare is easy. (laughs) If you have a mission that you can relate to, then everything else is tolerable, so to speak, about the challenges we face in healthcare. Love it. Uh, That's a great one, Ingrid. And so as you think about one of the biggest setbacks or obstacles that you faced, what was that? And, And what was the key learning? So <laughs> you have to cut me off here because otherwise I might talk too much. But uh, <laughs> so okay. the, set, the setbacks, I, I always felt that if, the, if you're trying to solve a problem, everybody should, should just put all the other interests aside and try to solve the problem. But as you know, it's not always easy. Mm-hmm. And I think the silos that we're still experiencing in healthcare, I think those are, for me, the most frustrating. Ideologically, most people want to do well. Ideologically, most stakeholders obviously will state that they want to achieve the same goal. But sometimes the daily silos that we experience, and when I say silos, is everybody has their specific goals they need to achieve, right? We have legislative and regulatory guidelines. We have budgets. <laughs> we have yeah. all kinds of limitations. And everybody, of course, has to follow them. But I feel that sometimes working in a more cross-disciplinary and interdisciplinary way and breaking these silos would be very helpful to the healthcare ecosystem as a whole. So that's the one I would say. When you look at other industries, I think mm-hmm. they've been able to master that much better than healthcare. My, yeah. That's my professional, indiv- just individual opinion. That's not a company <laughs> opinion. But I feel like in that's general fair. in healthcare, when you look at banking as an example, right, mm-hmm. or any other industry, we can find many. They've been able to break through some of these boundaries that are artificially designed. And I think in healthcare, we're still struggling with things that were decided maybe 25 years ago. And although technology has advanced and we're faced with beautiful clinical innovations and scientific discoveries, we still have other things that are a decade behind, let's say. Yeah. That's my my biggest frustration and setback, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's a good call out. And and part of uh, the mission that we have here at the podcast to connect those silos by sharing ideas with the listeners and, and giving outstanding folks like yourself a platform to share the great things that are, that are happening. What would you say you're most excited about today, Ingrid? Well, I think uh, the reason why you see me being in innovation is because of uh, the potential for innovation to really transform and disrupt healthcare. I think we're at a unique crossroads at this time where the technological advances, the scientific advances, the type of opportunities we see are unique, well, probably over the past several hundred years, I would say. I know it sounds big, but I really do believe that we have a a chance to see a transformation that some people call even the fourth industrial revolution, right, from a technology and innovation perspective. And I I am excited to do a tiny, tiny part (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I can to to contribute to that. For us, I think where I see a niche 
and why I believe in, in innovation is that I think if you integrate it with clinical care and always keep in mind that you don't want to just innovate for the sake of innovation, but you want to innovate to help patients, then I think we can achieve quite a lot. And that's what I like to focus on, clinical innovation and the potential it has to transform population health and to really change the way we define illness the way we diagnose illness, the way we can change from sick care to preventive care, I think that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, that's a, definitely a lot to be excited about. And, and the timing has never been better. If you could have lunch with anybody, who would it be? Well, I'm going to deviate here from healthcare a little bit. but Yeah, uh, please. <laughs> could be anybody. Well, so my idol <laughs> for a long time has been Christine Lagarde. And uh-huh. Not many people know she's the president of the European Central Bank. Very cool. And she was actually recently chosen as one of the influential women on number two by Forbes. But I've been following her for a while. And what I always liked is that she always stayed true to herself. Like, although she's always had very important roles, obviously mm-hmm. with tremendous impact globally. When you hear her talk, she's always been very genuine. She's firm, but humble. And I, I think she does not hesitate to always emphasize her own original thoughts. And I think it's another domain where you have obviously multiple stakeholders with very big interests. Oh, yeah. I feel like she knows how to still keep her backbone, so to speak, bring her own ideas uh, to fruition, but also work in that kind of very nuanced, complex environment. So yes, if I could have lunch, she would be first on my list. I know I it's an it. unusual pick, but no, it's great asking. though. But you know what though? You know, if you think about the, you know, like you said, the elements of complexity, multi-stakeholder systems, and sort of what has to be done. I mean, I think a great call out and uh, very interesting, uh, you know, sample from from the European side of things. So, Ingrid, what would you say? You're obviously very engaged and thinking about the future. You've had a very interesting career a physician and now with the company, what book would you recommend to the listeners? Oh, so it's a nerdy book, but <laughs> <laughs> I like nerdy books. If I had to pick, I think Homo Dias by mm. uh, Yuval Harari. Yeah. And I think for those that like that one, they probably would love Sapiens, but that's even more nerdy. But I think <laughs> out of all, I like a lot of books. So that's the, probably the toughest question you asked me because I'm a super reader. I, oh, yeah. I love a lot. Yeah, I love reading a lot, but Homo Deus probably, I love not only the, of course, talent he has, but I think also the content he was able to compress in that book is astonishing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Homo Deus. Have you had a Harari. chance to read it yet? Or not? Homo Deus is, is, I did the quick notes on it. I didn't mm-hmm. dive deep, but yeah. after the quick notes, I definitely have it on my short list. There's like you, you know, I'm, I love reading. And um, there's so many books. And, and th- this is one of the questions that I ask all of my guests. And so I, mm-hmm. I just like, I found the best way to do it was to get the quick list uh, or the, the quick notes. And then, mm-hmm. and then if, if, it, yeah. if I could graduate it, then I do. And that one mm-hmm. made it. So I'm, I'm glad to hear it from you. That was like the final check. It went from third place to first now. I'm going to read it next. I really enjoyed it. And I even like just his subtitle, which is Brief History of Tomorrow, right? Just the title yeah. already kind of <laughs> illustrates what he's trying to accomplish. And I, I always tell friends that ask me the same question you asked me, I don't think you have to like it, but I think it's a good book to read. You can disagree with everything he says. That's okay. But I still believe he compressed quite a lot of data that otherwise you would never be able to get in one book. 
So it, it's a gargantuan effort, I think he had. And then also the way he presents way it is, is quite sarcastic. If you like sarcastic <laughs> kind of styles, that's him. So. All right. Love it. There you have it, folks. And and by the way, you all know this. You've been listening for a while. But if you're a new listener, go to outcomesrocket.health. In the search bar, you could type in Ingrid or type in Mednax, M-E-D-N-A-X. And the show notes will come up. That's where we keep all the, the books that our guests mention, uh, like today's book, Homo Deus, that Ingrid recommended to us. Check it out there. And you could also have the full show notes as well as the full transcript of our discussion today. What's the best advice you ever received? That's the toughest question. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I had two mentors that really shaped my career. Wow. Mm -hmm. One was uh, one of our female professors in my MBA who became also a close friend. And uh, she always told me to believe in myself and not to ever think I think too big, which is what I was told prior to that always, that you think too big, you'll never accomplish all of that, think small, do one thing at a time. And she advised me the other way, think big, do whatever you feel is meaningful to you and you feel wow. that you, you can accomplish the mission that, that you think is worth. And so I followed I that and it's that. Oh, it was the truth. And so sure. she was one. And then I think the other uh, mentor was to never underestimate the uh, humble leadership style and integrity. And mm. I think that's the best one. I mean, nothing supersedes integrity, no matter what you do. The rest can be solved, but if you don't have integrity, everything else will falter. So I think that if I had to pick one, that's the one. Love it. What a great message, Ingrid. It's uh, powerful, especially in, you know, in times when people want results and people live by the quarter and integrity will get you all the way there. And I think it's a very important call out in today's business environment, in the clinical environment, do the right thing. So this has been great, Ingrid. I'm excited to hear about how the the Baby Steps campaign goes 2.0. And so definitely let's maybe put it on our schedule to do this again, maybe in a year or so. But I want to thank you for your insights today and uh, and the opportunity that you gave us to, to connect with you and learn more about what you guys are up to. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for allowing me to share some of my thoughts and what our uh, company is doing and most importantly, our clinicians that are at the bedside every day. So leave us with a closing thought. What do you want uh, the listeners to leave from our conversation with? Well, I think for our conversation, two things. One is uh, from a personal perspective, I think everybody should always be mindful that uh, what you do is what you are. So not just talk to actually lead by example. Mm -hmm. And then for our company, I think uh, for those of you who are not familiar, just check us out. We do great work and we do help a quarter of the babies born in the United States every single day. So that's not a small feat. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a small feat at all. So folks, that's it. if you haven't had a chance, uh, check out Mednax, M-E-D-N-A-X.com. An incredible company with a powerful mission and a quarter of the U.S. babies a year. That's serious stuff. Uh, <laughs> so check them out. Heed Ingrid's advice, live with integrity, and uh, think big. So Ingrid, with that, I want to thank you again for, for being with us. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 